Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Couch Sports Podcast. Uh, joined here as always by Jordan. Max will be joining us for the NBA segment, but welcome back to the show, Andrew Feigenbaum. Feig, Woo! so happy to have you back, man. Yeah, I'm happy to be back too. You know, abroad, tough to kind of participate with this, but you know what? I was still taking my notes. I was still watching my sports, so ready to contribute to the Lubcast. Let's get it done, man. Let's get it done. Uh, we have a lot of NFL news. We've had some crazy, a crazy week 18. Actually, not as exciting of a week 18 as we usually have. You know, usually it's typically teams are fighting for their lives and everything. But there are some big headlines that came out after the week ended, uh, starting with Derek Carr. This is kind of a more recent headline, but Derek Carr is expected to be released if they can't find a trade destination for him by February um, and I think we're all in agreement that he he they will eventually, but he's not going to get released. But where is Derek Carr going to end up? Is he even a starter in the NFL at this point? Uh, a lot of questions around Carr. So, Fai, why don't you uh, give us your opinions first on Derek Carr? Uh, well, I think, you know, my personal opinion, I've always been more pro Derek Carr than some of the other people. Um, I think he's had to deal with quite a bit uh, during his nine-year career. He's had six different NFL coaches plenty of different coordinators. That's really tough to kind of cement some, uh, I guess, consistency um, at the offensive position. So I think he, you said I'm in a really good position. Like I, I could see like the Giants. I could see like the Jets, a team that's kind of set up with uh, a pretty good system. And you could really like flourish and turn some of these teams into playoff teams. Uh, so I, I like Derek Carr. I think he can definitely – uh, make a difference on another team. Jordan, go ahead. Yeah, I, I've been pro Derek Carr as well. I have been disappointed with this season by him. Definitely big part is Josh McDaniels and being a first-time – or not a first-time head coach, but uh, a head coach that doesn't seem to quite know what he's doing yet. So, I don't know if it's fully on Derek Carr or not, but I'm going to throw out – uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a potential landing spot. I think a uh, good possibility Brady might leave. He clearly wanted to leave last year. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think um, that that would be a good spot for Carr. I also wouldn't mind seeing him on the Titans. I think the Titans um, definitely want to upgrade Ryan Tannehill and Carr might be that guy. I don't know, but we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see um like if the Raiders get a, a good package for him or if they're just going to move on from him, you know, for not much. So then comes a the question, cause I'm on the same boat as you guys, where it's like, I I'm pro Derek Carr, but I did really think that this was going to be his year to flourish and, and possibly be a pro bowler and, you know, lead the Raiders to playoffs and potentially uh greater heights. But um, this poses the question is, are the Raiders making a mistake by shopping him and, and by trading him? And actually they're, I mean, they're dead set on trading him. They're either trading him, or releasing him. So are the Raiders making a mistake in doing this? Uh, I think they are. Um, you know, this is a guy that has put up stats. He's put up numbers. I believe if you look at, like, if he keeps on his pace for his career, he's going to end up being, like, a top 10, uh, top 10 in passing yards, which is, like, in very elite company. So he's always put up numbers. Like, if you look at what he did last year with an interim head coach, uh, marginal receivers, uh, an oft-injured Darren Waller. He carried that team to the playoffs, and they really had no business being there. And he was one play away from 
going into overtime against a Bengals team that won the Super Bowl, which puts a lot of perspective on kind of the type of player Derek Carr is. And people often forget that you need a supporting cast. No matter how great you are at quarterback, every great quarterback needs a supporting cast around him. Yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree. The The big thing, too, and I think this is can be said for the NFL more than I, I think in any other sport, is scheming and game planning and having a solid coaching staff <clears throat> and like a consistent coaching staff that Feig highlighted earlier that Derek Carr hasn't had. Um, also, a key note is Darren Waller was out so much of this season with injuries. He was plagued with injuries all season. Obviously, Devontae was unbelievable, but Hunter Renfro didn't show up this year either. So we went into the season thinking he had an unbelievable amount of weapons. But, you know, when the season came along and we started, you know, watching this Raiders team, we saw that Renfro wasn't the weapon he was last year, uh, as well as Waller's injury. And also Josh McDaniels is incapable of being a head coach. Um, he went to Denver and I think he went 6-0 and in Denver, then got caught for cheating and then f- got fired or left and then went back to the Patriots. So, like, this guy can't coach at, at the head coach level. He's a great OC. He was a great OC for the Pats. And honestly, I want him back very, very badly. I think you guys uh, can agree on that. But I think if you can get Derek Carr a little more solidarity in the front office, uh, as well as the coaching staff, and put him in a system like the Titans, Jordan, I think that's a would be a great fit for him. Vrabel is an unbelievable coach. Uh, and they obviously have an insane running back. I think they got some talented wide receiver as well, some young talented receiver. Um, so, yeah, I, I also agree that the Raiders are kind of making a mistake because I don't think pl- um, quarterbacks like Derek Carr just fall off fall off buses. I'm going to go with uh, it entirely depends on who the Raiders get to replace him. I think like I threw out the Bucks. Brady's going to be Tom Brady's going to be a free agent. Uh, I could see him going to the Raiders and reuniting with Josh, um, going to play with Devontae. I don't I don't see why, um, you know, if, if this playoff run doesn't go well for the Bucks, why Brady wouldn't be up for that. And. So yeah, it, like if if they land someone uh that's you know better than Carr, then it's obviously not a mistake. So I'm gonna say for the time being, I don't think it's a mistake. Um, I think they have a good chance to to get an upgrade. All right, that's talking. That's talking, Derek Carr. Let's move on now to uh, another big storyline coming out of today. Lamar Jackson is out for Sunday's game against Cincinnati. Uh, I think we can all agree that the Ravens are pretty much dead to rights at this point. Um, it's pretty much just a rematch of last week. But what does this mean for Lamar's future? Obviously, he's in a contract year. He's coming off his rookie contract. He's expecting a bag. Um, we had that whole incident early on in the season, uh, in the offseason as well, where the uh, Ravens would not pay him. And we have seen what the Ravens are without him and what they are with him. So, I mean, he got them to be a six seed and he missed so much of the back half of the season. So, does Lamar earn this bag? I think he does. And do you guys think that the Ravens are going to give it to him? Uh, I I think this is a fracture relationship at this point. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on. It's kind of weird. Like with Lamar, this has happened both this year and last year when Lamar was injured. He didn't play a lot of the back half of the season and no one really knew what was going on. I think he had like a bone bruise and this year he's got the, the knee sprain and Harbaugh's always like, we're monitoring the situation. We're monitoring the situation. There's no real clarity. And Lamar actually just tweeted today saying he's not 100%, and he doesn't want to be out there if he's not 100%. I just – I don't really understand. Lamar wants a, a heavy guaranteed contract because the Ravens offered him a very lucrative deal, and I just don't see him being a Raven next year. Um, I, I don't know what their plans are, but – 
it just seems like this relationship is kind of all but over. Jordan? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go that far. I think the the Ravens are seeing now that you can't win with just any guy uh, running running that offense. Lamar, that offense and that team is built around Lamar and for Lamar to succeed. Um, and when he's healthy, he's awesome. The, the big concern for the Ravens is obviously the health. It's not any – I don't think it's anything to do with him on the field. People were obviously concerned about him throwing the ball when he first came into uh, the league, but since then he's won an MVP and, and put up great numbers, both throwing and running the ball. So I think it's more about injury concerns, but at the end of the day, I think the Ravens are going to see that he is their franchise and and you have to live with that those injury concerns. And you just got to pay a guy that's, that's that talented, I think, and I think they will. So – we kind of saw a similar situation. I'm not going to say it's the exact same, but with Kyler Murray, uh, obviously the size is a big difference. And But, you know, injury concerns, um, same type of quarterback, same play style. And we saw what happened when he got a bag. Obviously, Cliff has got fired, I think, the day after the season ended. So that's obviously a much different situation. But we see what happens when you pay a guy who plays like that that much money. You know, you dump all of your – money into the one guy and he's your franchise guy and then boom he tears his ACL and obviously that's those are freak accidents but when a quarterback plays like that those are bound to happen so if he doesn't land in Baltimore uh if he doesn't start in Baltimore next season are there any other possible like what team is going to sign him to that much money just the only thing I want to touch on before I kind of go into some of his fits um for Lamar uh Two things. One, I think the Raven, like when the Ravens look at Lamar, like in the offseason, you kind of like need to remember, like this guy is someone that wins like 75% of his games. Like at the end of the day, like his wins may be ugly, but like he just wins games. And I think like all of us can agree, like when you kind of look at Lamar compared to Kyler, um, Lamar's like a bigger guy, like a thicker guy. And Lamar seems to, like care, like care a lot compared to Kyler. Not saying he doesn't, but there's just that, like different kind of element to Lamar, but I think in terms of fits, uh, I think like kind of a bold one, but this makes a lot of sense is Miami. Um, you get some guy in there that like is dynamic at quarterback in the AFC. Like you have guys like Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. If you don't have a guy that's up in that area, like you also have Herbert. If you don't have a guy that's up in that area, you're probably not going to win a bunch of games, particularly in the AFC. The NFC is a lot more wide open. So I think Miami would be a perfect fit because that's really their their biggest weakness is health at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think when Tua was healthy this year, though, they they played really well. So I don't know if they would be willing to move on from a, a guy who got injured for another guy who's, you know, been injured. Um, but that would be – I think that would be really fun and and they would be an unbelievable team. I'm going to throw out the Lions. Um, Jared Goff had a great season, but no no questioning Lamar would be a, an upgrade over the Lions. I'm assuming they have a mo- enough money to pay him. Um, actually, I, I know they do. So, yeah, I, I think Lamar, he's not going to take any disrespect. He's going to go get however much money he can, and someone's going to pay him. The Lions, promising offense. Obviously, you have to work on the defense, but I think he'd be open to going there. Yeah, Lions is the one team that I was looking at, too. Their offense shows a lot of promise with Amonra, Reynolds. Um, I mean, their backfield is also really gross with Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. So I think that would be a great fit. But I do believe, personally, that he's going to be a Raven at the beginning of next season. I think there will – I know that 
the relationship has been really rocky and it, they haven't been communicating as well. I mean, if you're tweeting that you're not playing Sunday and it's not coming out in like some kind of press release, but you're just tweeting it out, that like I think that just shows that the relationship is is damaged. But I think if the Ravens realize that that's their guy, they're gonna pay him. Uh, and I and I do believe that he will be a Raven at the beginning of next season. So starting uh, today's Thursday, January twelfth, playoff start Saturday, I believe, right? Saturday the fourteenth. We have actually, I think this is a, we have some great games to look, to look at this weekend. Um, a high a matchup a matchup that I really want to look at and highlight is in the NFC. Uh, we have the three seed Vikings hosting the six seed Giants. This is some there's some there's some bad blood between these teams. They went down to the wire last time um, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or wherever, the, whenever the fuck they played. And uh, the Vikings ended up winning on a game winning field goal. I think it's going to be another absolute battle. Um, Jordan, let's get your insight first. Who do you think is going to walk away from this matchup? Uh, I got the Giants, man. I think it's like a it's become like this trendy underdog pick uh, throughout the week. I've seen people picking the Giants a lot, but I, I see why. Um, Vikings have a horrible defense, man. Absolutely horrible defense. Um, Brian Dayball might win coach of the year. I think he should win coach of the year and they're going to get that offense rolling. I think the Vikings are really going to struggle to stop the giants. And we saw like the Vikings don't play well against good teams. They just, they, they beat up on bad teams and we've seen like they they've squeaked by to, to get however many wins they have in a lot of these games, including their win against the Giants. Um, so, yeah, I think the Giants come out on top. Probably, what do you think? You know, as much as I do think the Vikings are really not uh, indicative of their record, like 12-14 and 14 with a negative point differential, I just feel like they're going to come away with this game. Um, I think the spread's like 2.5-3, which is pretty much about like a coin flip, considering just home field advantage, you get about two or three points. Um I just think there's just a huge talent gap. Um, and I just feel like the Vikings are going to end up pulling away with this game, even though the Giants are a huge trendy pick. And this is kind of like the cycle of Kirk Cousins. You know, he kind of wins that game that, like, no one really expects him to, and then they'll just get slaughtered next week. <laughs> yeah, the the thing is, if they win this week, they go to um, – sorry, who do they play if they win next week? Oh, it would be San, San Francisco if they win, which they're going to get killed. Yeah, they would get absolutely demolished. So, um, yeah, they'd get spanked. Either way, I'm going to pick the Giants. Uh, I'm going to pick the Giants this week. I really do think that they have something to prove. I, For some reason, I just feel like the Giants are just like this chip on their shoulder that they're going to play with is just going to be way bigger than what the Vikings come out with. Um, I just think that they're a tougher football team, and in the playoffs, toughness usually is enough. Uh, so I know that there's a huge talent gap, but Saquon ran – all over the Vikings in their first meeting. And I expect the absolute same. Um, and I think the defense will be able to step up and make some plays, but uh, the, no doubt this game is going to be absolutely incredible. The atmosphere will be electric and I can't wait for it. Um, and let's go to the AFC. Now an interesting game here, uh, the four or five seed four seed Jaguars hosting the five seed chargers. These two teams faced off earlier in the year. Um, and I think the Jaguars absolutely laid a whomping on the chargers chargers has something to prove they've been playing well late in the season um so if i let's start with you on this one who do you got you know i think the jaguars are gonna take this one i really like the way they've been playing t-law's really coming to his own this is a guy i stuck with 
even through like his first year. I mean, the talent's obviously obvious there. And, you know, for the Chargers, Mike Williams, it doesn't look like he's going to be available. It's a game time decision. That's obviously a huge, um, would be a huge loss. And I think a lot of this is there's a huge coaching gap between Doug Peterson, Brandon Staley. And my prediction, and I really think it should be like this, if the Chargers lose this game, Brandon Staley's fired and the Chargers go get Sean Payton. I think that would be a perfect match. And you're going to see Justin Herbert rise to become one of those top three, four quarterbacks in the league. Jordan. Yeah, I, this is a game of the week, in my opinion. Could completely go either way. I agree with you about Staley, but I'm still going to pick the Chargers. I think uh, Lawrence played great the back half of the season. Um, but over the last, like, two or three weeks, he's definitely been struggling a little more. First time in the playoffs, I think he's going to make a couple mistakes, probably throw two picks. Um, and I think Herbert's just going to have a game and, and prove he's a top five guy. So I'm going Chargers. I'm going Chargers as well. I don't think the Jaguar – the Jaguars rode to, what, a five, six-game high where they won five or six games in a row. Uh, and ever since then, even last week against Tennessee, they've been declining a little bit. Um, I think Rabel is a better coach than Doug Peterson. I think that's why that game was close. And I know Staley uh, is just not that guy. But I think the talent level between the two teams is, is – I think the Chargers just have more talent. I think – um, like Jordan said, I just think that um, Herbert's going to have an absolute game. I think he's going to ball the fuck out. Uh, I think the Chargers win this game comfortably. Um, I don't really know how the Jaguars are going to stop them. Uh, I know that they obviously laid a, laid a beating to them in the regular season, but I think the Chargers are coming for revenge. Uh, I think they're a really good team, and I think they they take care of business against um, against the Jaguars. Uh, do you think, like, if Mike Williams isn't available, do you feel as confident in the Chargers winning um, if he's not out there? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't definitely don't feel as confident because he's an absolute weapon. But I still think that – I think if Mike Williams plays, it won't be uh, a very, very – not a very close game. But I think if he's not out there, uh, the Jaguars are going to put up a fight. But at the end of the day, I just think the Chargers are too good to to lose this game. But – What's interesting about what you said, Feig, if they lose this game and they go get Sean Payton, I think they go get Sean Payton either or try to go get Sean Payton either way uh, after this season. I, I think it's clear to everyone across the league that Staley is not that guy. The way I saw this on TikTok, which is crazy because Sean Payton was actually talking about it. The way you need to approach him is like you need to trade for him. Like there needs to be some money or players involved to get him. So that's going to be an interesting process uh, to, to try and go get him. Cause I think he's still under contract with the saints for about two more years, I think. Yeah. He has two more years. So it would be like similar to, for, I guess, like in terms of like the NBA, how like doc rivers was traded or he made. Um, yeah. Udoka. Yeah. So he would have to be traded for both players, picks, whatnot. Facts. All right. Next game. Uh, let's, we don't have to talk about this one for a while. I think we're all pretty clear on this one. Uh, Ravens, Bengals, Bengals hosting the Ravens, no Lamar Bengals. I think it's that simple. Yeah. It's such a disappointing like fact that Lamar's out. Cause this is a great game with him in, but it's not even close with him out. So, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, the Bengals are going to win, but I think it will still be closer than people think, you know, it's still a divisional matchup. These games always tend to be closer, and Huntley's still got a decent amount of runs. So I can still see it being like anywhere from three to seven point game, but I would expect the Bengals to win. All right. Yeah, they let's... Did just play each other last week, too, which is kind of weird. 
Yeah, it is weird. That's definitely weird. But I, I honestly think the Bengals could end up in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. I, I, I don't definitely don't think that's out of the picture at all. Let's finish up the AFC here. Bills, Dolphins in Buffalo. We had a classic matchup between these two teams last time in Buffalo with the snow. Uh, Buffalo got it done on a field goal late uh, with no time left. Um, what do you guys think? How do you guys think that this one is going to shape out? Because this one uh, intrigues me very much. Uh, I got Buffalo in a blowout. Uh, I think Miami without Tua just doesn't. They, they're they're backup QBs. They tried Bridgewater, uh, didn't play well, and then I don't even know what's the name of this new guy. He's he's uh, no Skyler, good. Uh, Skyler Tom, but he's he's definitely playing because Bridgewater's not playing and yeah. Tua's not playing. He's confirmed yeah, so, starting. Yeah, Skylar Thompson is not going to lead you to a playoff win against the Bills. I think they're going to get blown out. Probably a couple turnovers from Skylar. Uh, Bills comfortably. Yeah, Bills comfortably as well. Skylar Thompson versus Josh Allen in a playoff game. I I think that's enough said. Yeah, Yeah, not much to talk. I think it's definitely Bills and DeMar Hamlin's going to be at the stadium. Oh, they're not. They're definitely not losing. Yeah. Let's go to the NFC. We got two games left in the NFC. Let's start with San Francisco and Seahawks. We'll wrap it up uh, with the Buccaneers Cowboys. So first Niners Hawks uh, in San Francisco Purdy versus Geno Smith. Um, It's clear that the Seahawks are afraid of the Niners. I mean, I would be too, but I think um, Pete Carroll just said like, it kind of sucks for playing the Niners. Someone was like, congrats on making the playoffs. He just goes, yeah, but it kind of stinks for playing the Niners and, I think that sums it up perfectly. I think the Niners an absolute buzzsaw right now. Their offense is clicking unbelievably with Purdy, uh, and their defense is playing really well too. And I, I just don't think that – I mean, the Seahawks just skated by uh, the um, Rams last week in overtime. So I, I, I just got the Niners in a route here. Yeah, the Seahawks like kind of squeaked in to the playoffs. I think they're just happy to be here and that making the playoffs was kind of their season – um Niners uh, again pretty easily just way too much talent this is a huge talent discrepancy um Niners have like star players everywhere but QB and Purdy's playing easily well enough to get this done yeah I think you know even though the Niners have beaten the Seahawks twice and it's hard to be a team three times I just think there's too much of a uh too much of a talent um gap especially in between the trenches and that's kind of where, you know, at the end of the day, it always comes down to in between the between the tackles, who controls it, and the Niners are going to push them around. And it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. I could see this being pretty low scoring, though. Yeah, I I actually could see that as well. Uh, Monday Night Football final game of the wild card weekend: Buccaneers Cowboys. Buccaneers somehow got uh, won the division. I mean, it was a horrible division this year, but the Bucks won the division. Won they won the NFC South. Hosting the Cowboys, Tom Brady, 7-0 against the Cowboys in his career. Uh, he showed signs of old Brady against um, the Panthers in the must-win game. I think he threw for over 400 yards, three touchdowns, 75% completion percentage. It was unbelievable. Uh, he's pissed off. He's very pissed off right now, and, I, and I'm not going against Brady when he's pissed off, especially with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are really vulnerable, uh, and I don't think that they're just – they're not a well-coached team still. Um, Dak also, I think he leads the league in interceptions, but despite missing a bunch of games. So I'm going bucks all day. Yeah, I can't like the Cowboys formula to win is they need to run the ball and they can't have Dak necessarily be that guy. 
because he's shown over his career he really can't, especially, you know, it's not as strong of a receiving core as it once was. And I think, like, this is this is a Bucks win. You know, they're the underdogs. They're at home. And this is kind of, like, similar. I saw Sean Payton talking about it that – so every once in a while there's a team that, like, that four seed that might have, like, a losing record that people underestimate, and they win that game. And you never should underestimate Brady, but I think the Bucks win this game. Yeah, uh, I've seen a ton of people picking this too. It's so crazy. The Bucks have had it's just a disastrous season um, by their standards, and now they they're fi- or they're two point underdogs against the Cowboys. But everyone's picking them. Um, I'm gonna roll with the Cowboys. I think the the stuff I've seen from the Bucks all year, their offense is just not good enough, and the Cowboys have a really good defense. I think they're they're gonna get after Brady a little bit. And I know I, I do think Dak is going to struggle a little bit, but I think he'll do just enough. This is going to be low scoring, in my opinion. I think Cowboys win like 20 to 17 or something like that. Just another gross primetime game to finish off the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I a lot of a lot of low scoring games, I, I think, on, on slate, especially with some of the divisional matchups. Yeah. Yeah. With especially with a bunch of quarterbacks out too, uh, Lamar, Tua, um, who else? I think that's it, right? Really, just so there's one. three divisional matchups. Yeah, there's three yeah. divisional matchups, but there's some missing starting QBs. Uh, there's always low scoring divisional matchups. It's kind of a definitely definite betting trend throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I think that covers our NFL segment. Do you guys any got anything else to add? You know, this is uh one of the more this weekend and then the divisional matchup are always like the two most fun weekends in NFL. So just like definitely enjoy it like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch they are gonna be fun to watch i think the divisional games are gonna be fucking awesome next weekend so i can't wait for those but let's not overlook these wild card games they're still gonna be fun uh playoff football is just better than regular football any way we can get more playoff games uh, i'm always down to do that we also like the nfl should do like a toilet bowl of nfl teams kind of like they do uh with like with fantasy where it's kind of like the bottom teams play for the first pick or something like that introduce something like that would be more fun because competitive football, especially when something's on the line is, is just way better. In my opinion, holds a lot more weight. The, the, the last thing I just want to bring up and this kind of just like just came up within like the past 30 minutes is uh, I know all of us here, are Patriots fans, it looks like Gerard Mayo, uh, their linebackers coach, they want to lock him up. Apparently he's getting looks for, head coaching and defensive coordinator jobs and the Patriots have begun uh, offensive coordinator search. Good. Uh, Cause I don't think we had one. I don't, I don't think we had an offensive coordinator this season, which is horrible to say. We had a disgusting combination of Joe judge and Matt Patricia, who many forget was our defensive coordinator for much of his time in new England. But um, yeah, Patriots, we'll talk about them on another episode because I could rant about them for a very, very long time. But that's talking NFL. When we come back, Max is going to join us to go over some NBA uh, news storylines. So we'll be right back with that. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Now joining us, the uh, I guess the uh, other member of the couch, Max Labelzik, who uh, opted out for the NFL segment earlier. But we're happy to have you on for the NBA, Max. Yeah, you know, I I watch a lot of Steelers, but other than that, I'm not very well. Su- I'm not super well versed in the NFL. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I told Jordan that the dude, other day. Dude, yeah, way to way to fill the audience in like a hundred episodes later. That's perfect. <laughs> after a hundred, after a hundred NFL uh, segments that we've done, guys, Max actually has no fucking idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you listen to the show, that's relatively obvious. I'm not gonna. <laughs> 
Uh, well, you don't li- you don't listen to us for our uh, sports knowledge. Listen to us for our entertaining personalities and great content. Um, we have two segments, two NBA quick NBA segments that we're going to dive into today. Uh, first one that we can start with is the Nets without KD. Uh, he's expected to be back in a month, but this team was hot. I believe they won twelve in a row. Uh, obviously, KD and Kyrie are major parts. Basically, they're basically the entire team at this point. Uh, but they're playing out of their minds, uh, and KD. With an MCL sprain, I believe, uh, yeah. out a month. The Nets playing the Celtics tonight. Uh, Celtics are, I believe, winning at the moment. But what are the what's like this next month going to look like for the Nets? Because I think that this is, it, can they survive without KD? Can they stay afloat? Because you don't, you know, dropping a bunch of games when a guy's injured can have major implications uh, come playoff time. So, Fike, do you think this team can stay afloat without him? Uh, I think at the end of the day they'll. No, I think they'll be able to stay afloat, especially considering how well like some of their role players have played. Uh, obviously, Kyrie's played really well. Ben Simmons has played well, but like guys that are like important, like Claxton, Seth Curry, uh, Joe Harris, like they've been playing good basketball, and I think this will give them an opportunity to get them even more time, more minutes, and they'll be ready for the playoffs when they don't need to have as strong of an impact and not play as many minutes. And I think one of the things you kind of see with KD compared to maybe like unlike any other superstar is he's a guy that once he gets back from injury, he's just right back into form. Like he doesn't need any time to like get back into rhythm. Like I don't really understand how he's just kind of like a unicorn. Like even guys like LeBron, Steph Curry, like you just come back, they need a couple of games to get their feet wet. KD just comes back and does his thing. Max. Yeah, uh, I actually I completely agree. I think they'll they'll be fine. I'm watching the Celtics game right now in the background, and um, this game feels like a playoff game. And the Nets are actually playing really well. They're playing better than the Celtics. They're winning 31 29 right now. And granted, it is no Jalen Brown, but this Nets team is really really solid. Um, I want to like expand what Fag was talking about with the role players. Um, T.J. Warren is back, and he's kind of playing. He's not bubble T.J. Warren, but he's He's playing well. This game, I'm pretty sure he's hit four shots that were just clean swishes so far. Um, I have his stats pulled up right now. He's averaging 20, 20 minutes a game, and he's scoring only 9.9 points. But, um, you know, he's just doing it efficiently, um, and he's a really solid shooter. Those numbers are going to go up because KD's out. He's going to um, obviously step in. He was starting tonight, I believe. Um, and then not to mention their defense – that's sort of like the biggest thing. I think in order to talk about what they're going to look like without KD, we just got to talk about what KD brought to this team. And I think one thing that we've seen him bring that we haven't seen him do in uh, past seasons as much is he is such a two-way player right now. KD is really, really, really solid on defense. And he almost sort of anchors the defense for the Nets, which is something we haven't seen him do because he anchors the offense. So you expect him to take like, you know, a little bit of a break on the defensive end, but he's been completely locked in. Um, he's been using his length really efficiently and just the exact way that you need it to be used. And they've been the number one team in basketball for the last month. So he's this team's been really awesome. And I think losing him, obviously it's going to be a hurt on the defensive end and on the offensive end, but I do think they have the personnel to back it up. Um, Nick Claxton can be a defensive anchor. He was the defensive anchor for, for this team before. He can kind of step into that KD defensive role. And then Royce O'Neal is a really serviceable big man. 
Um, I get a little bit nervous with him starting, but I mean, like, he's he's serviceable for sure. And then Kyrie's been playing really well defensively and offensively. And then finally, Ben Simmons. Um, I think the modern Ben Simmons, what you expect from him, is exactly what we're getting right now out of Brooklyn. I think if you wanted the Ben Simmons from Philly, I just think he's gone right now. Um, I don't know if we'll get him back, but Scal just said he's one for 14 from the free throw line in the last, like, however long it's been. Um, and that's just really bad, obviously. So offensively, he's he's really just more of like a connector piece, a facilitator. But defensively, he's guarding the best player and he's doing it really, really well. He's a lockdown defender and he has the highest assist to turnover ratio on the team at 2.8. He's tied with uh, Joe Harris. So, I mean, I think they have the personnel, as Fag mentioned, to get this, get like keep them on track. And then they're only going to be getting better when KD comes back because, like Fag mentioned, KD comes back in full form. Yeah, I agree for the most part. Uh, I wanted to talk about Simmons too. He's he's definitely not what he was yet. Um, I do I I think he can get back there. I don't think it's out of the question, but he's um he's huge for their defense, and um so is Claxton. And we saw last year with the Nets getting swept out of the playoffs that defense was their problem. Like they just could not stop a nosebleed. They always had talent on offense, and they could always score the ball. Um, and and Kyrie, as much as we hate him as Boston fans, he's he's a guy that can just take over games and and take over you know stretches of seasons and, and go back to back to back games, just um, going crazy. So I think he's going to keep them afloat. I think their defense has actually uh, become something of a strength for them. And I know without Katie, it's going to get hurt a little bit. I expect them to fall to maybe like the five seed um over this stretch just because the east is so stacked there's no shot they hold on to the two seed bucks are going to catch him i think the sixers are going to catch him i think the Cavs are going to catch him um i agree with that but i want to highlight like so i'm not going to repeat everything you guys just said you guys all made great points uh i want to highlight vaughn their head coach i i think he's done a really good job of kind of creating an identity about this team and kind of creating uh a, a space where everyone is like everyone's voice is heard um, and everyone can have input on what's going on on the on the court. Like we saw in the huddle where Kyrie hit the game winner in Toronto, they he drew the play for KD, and KD's like, "No, it's running for Kyrie." And the coach's like, "All right, cool, run it for Kai." And then he hits the game winner. So I just think that this team has uh great chemistry, and they haven't had that throughout basically their entire uh not existence, but since they've had Kyrie and KD, and they've been trying to win games. So I think Vaughn has done an incredible job of bringing this team together. And I think that's being seen, like Max has said, mostly on the defensive end. Uh, offensively, these guys are going to do what they are going to do because they're some of the best players in the world. But defensively, uh, when you have guys that are all connected and understand how to play with each other and can communicate with each other very well, you're going to be a good defensive team because at the end of the day, defense is like basically 70% effort uh, and, and communication. And if you have guys that want to play defense and then guys that know how to communicate with each other, um, you're going to be a good defensive team. And I think a lot of that comes from their head coach. Yeah. And also what I noticed about him is he just doesn't not play you if you don't play defense. Um, And that's something that is like incentivizing the guys to start actually playing defense. Um, Jordan, real quick, you said that like the defense is one of their strengths. I think it is their number one strength. Um, Looking at the metrics right now, they are the number one defensive leader or sorry, number five defensive leader in the league. Um, So opponent, uh, points allowed is they allow 110 uh the leader in the league is the Cavs they allow 106 
And then they're number one in blocks. They have seven blocks and the number two is Memphis with six blocks. So they clearly um, are just able to lock down defensively. And a lot of that, like I said, is about Joxman just not playing guys who can't defend. Um, just to highlight that, like if you're looking at the minutes distribution here, um, there are a key amount of players that get, they have basically a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, just around an eight man rotation. Um, which is a, like what they call like a playoff rotation, as you guys know, where they keep it really short. Uh, playoff teams usually run about eight to nine man rotations. Uh, teams that aren't super deep, like the Mavericks might play 10, um, things of that nature. But basically, they don't play guys that don't, don't play defense. And you see Edmund Sumner, Cam Thomas, Patty Mills, Markeith Morris, Daron Sharp, David Juke Jr., uh, Kessler Edwards, Alonis Williams. Granted, a lot of those guys are like, you know, relative no-namers, but those guys were playing beforehand, but you just see them, they're not giving it their all on the defensive end. They're just not getting any time. Um, so yeah, the coach has done an amazing job. He should get as much credit as the uh, uh, as Joe Missoula for coming in and you know making this team what it is, because if anything, um, Jacques Vaughn inherited a more difficult situation having to deal with, you know, a Kyrie who almost gave up his career at, at the, like at one point in the season. And then KD, who had been asking for the firing of Steve Nash. So he inherited a really difficult situation, and he's able to make the best out of it so far. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I definitely think that, like, both the points you guys made, like Jock Bond, I don't think anyone would have pictured him to be doing as good of a job as he has with all these, like, very strong personalities on his team, on this team, and – They've really, really played well. I don't think anyone expected this. And touching on the defensive aspect, I think what you've seen in the NBA now, defense has gone so far away. You need a defensive element on your team to be able to win a championship. Going back to the Bubble Lakers, go to the Bucks, and even like the Warriors, they had their defensive lineups that were able to give them advantages. So I definitely agree with the points you guys made. One of the things I want to touch on with this, these Nets is – as high as they can be, they're also very, very low lows. And it's almost like, you know, that office meme where it's like, how many days without an incident? And right now it's been like, you know, high rolling. But do we really like envision this team when it comes to a playoff series? You know, some of these guys are pretty brittle. And like a guy like Kyrie, you know, we saw him struggle when he had to play a back-to-back or something like that. Or maybe KD has to play, you know, they're going to have to play back-to-backs. They can't just be as fresh or take a day off. Do we really see this team potentially winning a championship? No, I I, I really don't. I think that they're just, they're not going to make it the distance. I, I think that's really what it's going to be at the end of the day. I don't think that they have the personnel I don't think their superstars are going to be able to go that deep into the playoffs. Also, while keeping them afloat in the regular season, like Jordan said earlier, the East is very, very strong. If you can't really afford to take games off, I mean, the Cavs are so hungry and so young. Like the Bucks are obviously disgusting. The Celts are disgusting. Like there's a very strong possibility that they get matched up with one of those teams in the first round after being battered throughout the regular season, whether it's this KD injury or maybe a Kyrie injury or fatigue or, you know, load management or whatever the fuck it is. I I don't really believe that this team is just going to be able to make it the distance. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. uh, I was going to say, I actually agree for the most part. I think the nets can beat anyone you put in front of them, but I don't think they can beat everyone. 
And what I mean by that is like any given series, the Nets can come out on top. But I think when you ask this team to go beat the Cavs and then go beat the Celtics and then go beat the Bucks and then go beat whoever it is out of the West, I don't think they can they can last that long. Um, my main concern is Simmons. I, I know you have KD and Kyrie to carry your offense, but we've seen Simmons be an absolute liability in Philly. Um, and yeah, I, I think it could come back to bite him. And at the same time, even if Simmons isn't, you know, the, the fatal flaw, um, I still think the Celtics are are better built. I think the Bucks are better built and I think the Sixers can beat them. I think even the Cavs can beat them. So I just think they're, it's too stacked of a, of an East and the, the Nets aren't who I would pick to go win the championship right now. I, I mean, I'm not going to like pick them to win the championship, but I definitely think they are, um, contenders for sure i i mean like right now they're number two in the in the east and they're able to you know just stay afloat while katie's out and then when he comes back they're able to keep it going they're going to be well seated and i think you're, we're going to see some upsets obviously in these playoffs with um the teams that we have but if you're looking i mean i don't know there's going to be some really hard uh playoff things teams are going to get beat up and i think it's going to even out. I mean, you have KD and you have Kyrie and KD can be the best player in the world, right? Like, I mean, right now there's an argument. It's him, Jokic, Giannis, and Luka, I guess, would be the three. Or, and I mean, if you want to throw LeBron in there, but I mean, the Lakers aren't contenders, so I guess it's just kind of irrelevant. But like KD can win you series. He really can. And um, I don't know if you have KD and Kyrie on your team, obviously it's going to be a tough ask for them to stay on their behavior mostly Kyrie, their best behavior. But, I mean, with those two guys on your team and the way that they're playing right now, the way that they're just killing teams, I don't know. I, I do think they're a legit contender coming out of the East, but I only think there's three. I think it's the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Nets. I think after that, there's teams that are that are close, but they're not quite there. They're about a piece away. Um, I would put, like, Philly, the Cavs in that, in that list. And then from then on, it's, like, Knicks, Pacers, Heat, Hawks, and the standings. And I really don't think any of those guys other than the heat. So like, would like have a shot at making it. So I don't know. I, I, th- I know the East is really deep and there's going to be some hard playoff matchups, but I think the nets are contenders. I, I really what do you do. think? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, they're, they're going to be contenders when you have like a couple of their star players, but it's really when it comes down to like, are they really going to be buttoned up like both mentally and physically to win three playoff series? And I just think, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can win one. Can obviously they can win three. I just don't see it. Something can happen. Something probably will happen. Um, it's just a matter of when. Um, so that's really just my whole piece. Obviously the talent's there, but something will happen. I don't know what it will be, but yeah. You can't All trust right. to be stable for that long. So it's understandable. Yeah. And physically, these are guys that aren't really durable players. Yeah, they're real. pretty fragile, and they're and they're getting older too. Um, so let's move on from the Nets. Um, we have the Lakers. We have a very interesting situation unfolding with the Lakers. LeBron is having an absolutely insane season. He's playing out of his mind right now. Um, they need some support if they're going to make a title run. If they're going to make a deep playoff run, they need some help with AD uh, not playing right now. But by the way, AD was unbelievable when he was playing so if he can come back and stay healthy i know that's a big ask and we've asked him of him every year and it just hasn't happened so what can the lakers do who can the lakers go get uh to really help elevate this team to potentially like 
you know, I'm starting to think 20, what is it? 2016 bra uh, Cavs Braun, you know, like that, that kind of team, like can, can, can Braun do it again, but obviously the, they need a little more help than what they got right now. So who can they go get to, to beef up their roster a little bit? I mean, the NBA is just better than it was in 2016. Absolutely so true. Absolutely true. The way that the NBA is, you have, in order to win, you have to have like three guys. Like you have to have a big three now, maybe a big four. Like you have to have crazy players. There's no way they're winning soon. There's no way. Realistically, they have one of the shittiest situations in the entire NBA, just in terms of what they gave up in future capital, like and and what they have. They have this one draft pick that they're unwilling to trade for good reason too because right now you're seeing sort of a, a separation between LeBron and the team. Um I know he came out with those fu- those absolute bullshit comments saying that the team needs to build around him. You he like yes the team needs to build around him. He's the fucking GM. He's the reason the team's in the situation that they are now. That LeBron is the one that pushed for that Westbrook trade which is what fucked everything up. They could have had uh, the healed trade was right on the table. They could have taken that trade from Sacramento and they wouldn't have given up one of the the picks that they gave up for Westbrook. So they would now have two first round picks. Instead, they offloaded their entire future to grab a wash guy in Westbrook who great. He's been a, he's been a really solid six man. He doesn't play winning basketball. He still takes fucking stupid shots. Um, and he's still just another huge personality that you have to deal with. So LeBron's quotes about that. Who do you, why do you think they signed Lonnie Walker? Do you know who Lonnie Walker's agency is? It's Clutch. That's what LeBron is fucking with. That's why he's got everyone. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about this one, but I'm also pretty sure Wendy and Gabriel is assigned with Clutch. Hey, 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 hey. No, hey, I'm not hey, talking hey, shit. Hey. I'm just saying. Hey, we're not talking I, shit about Wendy and Gabriel on this podcast. I'm saying you sign a bunch of fucking Clutch players, and when you like Lonnie, Lonnie Walker was one of the worst veteran minimums that was, or sorry, t- uh, mid level TPE exceptions given out all year. You could have gotten a bunch of other guys that would have actually contributed better than Lonnie Walker, but instead you get him. So LeBron, the fucking balls on this guy to go out there and say like they need to build around him as if he hasn't had any hand in what's happened. Uh, rant over. That being said, there are very few targets they can go after this season. But they're, what it seems like they're doing is they've signed a bunch of guys where to contracts that will end at the end of this season and then their free agency this season is kind of where they're going to look to reload the roster a little bit. So I pulled up a list of like names that they've been associated with, but it's honestly lightly associated with because, I mean, it's just like, why would you want to go there right now? I know it's LA and it's playing with LeBron and AD, but the rest of the team is just kind of in shambles. However, the names that they've seen after, um, I've seen Jeremy Grant, Andrew Wiggins, and then um, Kyrie has been the three that, that they've kind of like talked about um, all of those guys. If you sign them to the deal that they're worth other than Kyrie, I would assume Kyrie has to take a pay cut because of his antics. Um, if you sign Wiggins or Grant, they said that that leaves them with no more uh, cap space to fill out the roster. And if you look at who they're losing, um, they lose Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, uh, Thomas Bryant, who's been really good for them in free agency this year. Um, so they're losing a really solid amount of their, of their team. So like, I don't know what they do at this point. Um, you could trade for a Bohan Bogdanovich or sorry, Barion Bogdanovich from Detroit. But I mean, like he's, he's going to add the necessary shooting, but they're not going anywhere. So I honestly am at a loss. I don't know what they do. That's why they have one of the worst situations in the league. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, oh, go a, ahead. Go ahead. I think it's it's pretty unfixable as well. They they honestly, I think they should have traded AD um, when he was yeah. going off like that. And I know it's hard to do, but like when you know a guy can't stay healthy and his value is that high at that time, they should have traded him and, and gone out and, and got as much as they could for him because that would have been a deal. And now his values tanked again and no one's going to trust his health. So I don't know. I don't think this team is winning another championship with LeBron. I honestly, I don't think they're going to get close. Um, I I do think they can still trade Anthony Davis once he comes back, um, starts playing well again. I think you, you trade him and you shop him for whatever you can get. Um, but yeah, as far as this season, I think they're, they're cooked. I mean, they can go out and get mid-level players. I I mean, the names I'm seeing are like Kyle Kuzma, who I honestly don't think is a realistic target. Zach Levine is absolutely not a realistic target. Um, they just don't have the assets other than AD to go out and make something happen. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Lakers are in a tough spot. Um, they're kind of, in my opinion, it's, you either want to be really, really bad or really good. And they're right in the middle. So I don't, in my opinion, no, obviously this could obviously completely backfire. I know the, the pick that's been floating around for the Lakers is like their 2029 first round pick, like go trade it, try to get a wing, you know, a two way wing. That's really been like a position of struggle. I know they've had Lonnie Walker playing and I know Max kind of just went into him, but he is having his best year of his career. He's averaging around 15, yeah. Um. And he has been a pretty solid signing, kind of like similar to the Malik Monk signing from last year, and he ended up getting a pretty good contract. Um. But it's pretty ironic that you know Kyle Kuzma, Boyan Bogdanovich, those guys, or mainly Kuzma, is being talked about in these trades. But I think you know you got to try to, if you're the Lakers, I think you just got to try to move off that 2029 and try to get a little crafty with a trade and maybe get a wing and kind of bank on AD coming back and being healthy. Cause if LeBron and AD are healthy and you maybe get that third piece, like a Kuzma, there is a chance because the West is weaker this year. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt it is, but at the end of the day, I think going to get these pieces like Max and Jordan kind of highlighted, it's pretty unrealistic right now for this team. Um, I think if you're looking at any kind of playoff run or championship run, it's going to be next year uh, from this offseason, but I don't think it's going to happen like that. I don't – for some reason, I just see the Lakers fucking it up. If LeBron still has his hands completely on the team, like in the GM kind of way, he's going to he's gonna screw up. Uh, they gave him full reins. I know Jenny Buss has kind of taken some of that privilege away from him uh, because he has kind of fucked the whole situation up after they won one title. So um, I, it'll be interesting to see – where they go, but it's going to have to be this offseason. I think this season uh, you can almost chalk it up as a loss. And I also think if AD can't come back, you're going to expect a lot to see a lot less of LeBron in the second half of the season. Yeah, and I just want to talk about their draft pick situation because you've seen, like, if if you look at it, the Lakers are actually good at drafting. You have to look. They got Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Thomas Bryant, um, there's been others. I was Caruso their draft pick. I think he might have been. They, yeah. they like Ju- Julius Randall, Randall uh, D'Lo, Josh Hart. They had so like they've been able to draft really well. Um, but if you look at this AD trade, that's kind of where it fucked them. They basically sold their souls for that uh, to the devil for that 2020 uh, like bubble championship because 
they traded AD to get that. And now if you look at their draft picks this year, they have their first round pick goes to the Pelicans. Um, they own their second round pick. Next year, 2024, their draft their draft pick is owned by the Pelicans. 2025, their draft pick is their own, but the Pelicans can swap for it. Um, and then they own their second round pick. And then 2026, they own their pick. But there's like this re- weird rule that happened where I guess they don't actually own their pick. So the first pick that they're eligible to pick with um, in the first round is their 2027 draft pick. Um, from there, they own the rest, but most of those are non-tradable right now. You can't trade out past like five years, I think. Um, so it gets a little, it's just it's just like hard. They don't have a future right now. And you're talking about an aging superstar in LeBron. Those draft picks are going to become valuable because there's, like I said, there's this separ- separation between LeBron and the team. And the team is not going to trade that draft pick. They just aren't. I think at this point, they're like, we're done trying to make LeBron happy. We need to think about the future here because LeBron, what do we think he has left? I mean, reasonably, four or five years. Those those four, if you say at best he has four years, which is probably downplaying it, they don't own the draft pick for 2023, 2024, 2025, or 2026. So right when LeBron's gone is when they own their first draft pick. I mean, that, they're going to be really bad for a really, really long time. I mean, at this point, they got to – that's why they're not trading their draft pick. They got to keep it. Um, and I know it's causing a separation between LeBron and them, but they're, they're, they're just in no man's land right now. It's really, really tough. Uh, personally, I think this, this situation is more about the, the Westbrook trade than the AD trade. Obviously, yeah, like when they trade at the time, like they still ended up getting a ring with AD. But they could have still had sustained success if yeah. they held on to Kuzma, they held on to KCP. Like one of their strengths was their defense, and they weren't able to re-sign Caruso. And like then they locked up all that money with Westbrook. Like they could have had a more well-rounded team. And yeah, they gave up a lot of assets, but they still ended up getting a ring. But yeah, I just boy, that that trade with Westbrook, and even at the time, like there really weren't a lot of people that were agreeing with that trade at least like me personally i mean westbrook has never been a winning player and this is what happens when lebron kind of gets his hands on the gm this happened with the Cavs. you know he got rid of wiggins he got rid of a lot of their young guys and then they matched up and they ended up going to the finals with one of the worst east teams ever i've seen and they got completely manhandled in the finals and then he just leaves and then he goes to the Lakers. They develop a lot of this young talent and dismantles it. And he leaves teams just completely in shambles. Yeah. So the Heat, I mean, the, the Heat too, after their big three, yeah. big three saga, they were bad, but they had Spo, so they they ended up figuring it out. But yeah, and that's remember, like every, like he left the Cavs the the first time. The Cavs are horrible. So this always happens with LeBron, and you know that's where that's where it. Him, and this is kind of like a deeper talk, but him as a super superstar is a lot different when in terms of like let's say the effect of like a Brady. Um, I'm just talking about like high level guys, like he kind of lets the GMs kind of do their thing, like he's able to bring in these superstar signs on the, these lower level contracts. LeBron just likes his guys and he'll just trade away the assets, and that's where he just gets himself in trouble. Yeah, I completely agree. I and, agree. Yeah, I mean that like like what you said real quick, the championship is the ultimate goal. So they won. They they That AD trade is a win. They won the championship. That's your ultimate goal in this league. But yeah, I completely agree. The Westbrook trade fucked them for a long time. 
I think what you mentioned about LeBron leaving teams in shambles is completely true. And if I'm the Lakers, I'm going to recognize that and I'm going to get ahead of it. And I'm just blowing it up right now because they're there's I don't think there's any chance that they uh, get back to contending with LeBron. Um, like like we said, he only has a few years left and their roster is so far from being able to contend and they, they don't have enough assets to go out and get anyone. So I'm I'm trading everyone. Westbrook, A.D., if you can trade LeBron, trade LeBron. Like, go get, go set yourself up for the future if you're the Lakers. And if you're LeBron, why, why do you want to be on the Lakers anymore? You're not going to win anything. Yeah, he likes LA, it, it, but it doesn't like. I, I get that he likes LA, but like, dude, wouldn't you want to fucking go try and win something? But the thing is, he's had his hands. Uh, he's been completely hands on this whole time in LA too, and he's kind of felt like he's built this. I think in a sense. Well, I mean, he kind of has, and also destroyed it. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, it's tough, but. Also, I think he – when is his contract end? His contract end? He's in for a while. He signed that extension last oh, summer. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the extension. Yeah, the so extension I'll, is pretty brutal. I'll pull but that it's always kind of baked in. With LeBron, though, it's always, like, baked in with, like, opt-outs and things like that. So he always likes to keep the team very honest, which is, again, I think pretty bullshit. Like, he does this. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it is, like, LeBron is more focused on his brand. Like, L.A., big market. But – yeah, I, I agree with I agree. Break it all down. Get picks. Like Great you either idea. want to be really, really bad or really good. Like being in the middle, you just you're not getting quality picks and you're not winning anything. So see what you can get. Like you can actually like get a decent rebuild and it can be pretty quick if you kind of just get rid of these assets you have, because they do have a couple. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those assets are expirings, though. Like, like Thomas Bryant is an asset, but he's on a one-year contract. So, like, you're trading him. Or, I don't know. Teams aren't going to want to trade him unless you sign and trade. Yeah, but Max, why don't you fully blow it up and trade the trade the big? Oh, yeah, no, I I agree. I agree with the fully blowing it up. I'm just saying, like, the small assets that they have around are set up to, um, you know, be those one-year deals. So, like, I mean, realistically, also, I mean, what is the market for Anthony Davis? I know. He's playing awesome, but then he got injured again. But, but like I'm at this, but at this point, who gives a shit? Like, just get him off of your roster. Like that. That's what. That's what. I know, like, but you're not like you're not trading Anthony Davis for a bag of chips, man. Like you're you're trying to get a god like Rudy Gobert. You're trying to get the Rudy Gobert Godfather offer. I don't no, think no one's going to give it to him. That's what I, I'm saying. I, you're not going to trade for that. I think you, even if you get half that too, yeah. which like right. I think get him off teams of are going to roster. Teams are going to see. Teams are gonna see the ceiling of AD, and yeah, they know them in, baked in injury pre- the injury, but you can still get something for AD, even though he's very injury prone. Like if the Jazz got four first for Rudy, like there's a market for AD. Marcus yeah. Smart just like, threw up on the court. That was fucking weird. I don't know what just happened with him. That was really weird. Um, uh, but that's yeah. no fight. You're 100 right. Like there, there will be some kind of market for him, and I don't think it'll be any kind of you know anywhere near. Uh, a Rudy Gobert package because he's injured, but at the end of the day, uh, I you know you got to get him off your roster. I think you got to get him off your roster. If you're the Lakers, I think a complete rebuild is the right move. Uh, complete reset and just you know kind of start from the ground up again. You know, start building your talent. You clearly have great talent development, uh, and I think you just try to do it again. But it's going to take a very very long time. So that's my that's yeah. our opinion on the Lakers and the Nets. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. That was a great show, fellas. Yeah, and uh, one thing is that LeBron, if he does want to be traded, he can't be traded till February eighteenth, so of twenty twenty three. So that that's I believe that's past the trade trade deadline. So I think he's stuck. All right. Even yeah. if he waves it, can he wave it or no? Is it like? A new... uh, 
I um he I guess he could technically waive it, but LeBron's whole thing is that he's never been traded. He's only waited till contracts have expired and he's only signed. Like that's like he's mentioned that a bunch in his interviews. So I'm not sure if he would waive it, but he could technically waive it. I think All right. There yeah. it is. There's all, everything you need to know about LeBron James and every little thing about his contract because it's it's messy. The way he gets in his contracts, they're messy. But, Feig, thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. Looking forward to doing more podcasts with you, man. Of course. Glad, to, glad to be a part support. of this. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace.